0: The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag blue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Hole Leak to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue Liberty Rangers
1: Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Andrew
0: Chowney and Nick Zeraris. Zeraris. Rangers fans, welcome to Liberty Blue, the essential New York Rangers podcast. I'm Andrew Chowney, alongside Nick Zeraris. And Nick, they shut out Calgary. They won a wild game against Montreal. And somehow, some way, managed to... Crawl back from a five-three deficit against the Islanders at MetLife Stadium, and they now ride a seven-game win streak. They had no business
1: winning that game yesterday. No, uh, no, I I, no. I, 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 tur- I turned to my girlfriend's dad at the end of the second period, and I said, "We are sitting at four to three, and it feels like we're losing this game six to one." Like genuinely, at four to three, it felt like the uh, next uh, if the Islanders scored next, that would be the game. And at five-three, I thought at five-three. And then when Trocek got that roughing penalty after the whistle, I thought, all right, that's the game. They made they made the scoreboard look a little more respectable. They're going to go out, but they can't get out of – you can't give up. It's one of those things where it doesn't make sense that a team can play as badly as they did in the first period. They got 90 percent in expected goals in the first period by a bad team. Let's not forget the Islanders are in sixth place in the Metro and like five points out of a playoff spot. Let's not forget the Islanders are actively bad. And they the Rangers made them look like the 1980 Soviet Olympic team. And uh, out of nowhere, slowly but surely. And shortly, similarly to that Me- team, they lost. Vinny Meatballs got in the mix. That's right. Panarin was outstanding yesterday. Panarin's willingness this year to just say, fuck it, I will do it myself, is the only reason that this team works. If the, anybody else in this forward group had a little bit more of that in them, I think we'd be thinking about this team very differently. But and man, when he gets the puck on his stick and skates to the neutral zone, creates that entry, it gives space to the other to, to the other forwards he's out there with, like Trocek and Lafreniere. Those guys have a little bit more room, and it makes everybody all the more dangerous. And this is something I wanted to highlight, and I wanted to talk About. I thought Laviolette had a really good game yesterday. I think he made some gut calls that were risky, very, very risky to pull the goalie to go to the five on three with five minutes to go. That was an extremely risky decision and it worked out. So he looked smart for that. And the other thing, using the timeout at
0: 3 1, I think something that Gallant never did. He never used to do that. He never used to stop the snowball. Laviolette stopped the snowball.
1: It got out of hand really quick there in the first period. Those goals the Islander scored, clunky, ugly. The Barzell goal, somebody needed to step up, and instead, Truba just kind of looked at him and Lindgren just looked at him. And yeah. I understand they were in the middle of a change, and those weren't supposed to be the two defensemen on together, but they just didn't communicate with each other. And Barzell is a great player. Um, that is a game that I think if something special happens down the road, people will look back and circle to that game, the Carolina game where Hedel and Cock, uh, Hedel and Fox got hurt back in November. We've had a handful of those types of games now where you see the potential for something special, even though they make you want to rip your hair out for long stretches of these games like it's. I do not understand how the same team that got 90 percent expected gold in the first period is also the same team that scored two goals in five minutes and then won the game the first 50 seconds of overtime. It it really defies logic at times how they play.
0: I was talking to an Islanders friend of mine, and we came to similar conclusions about our team, just an opposite ends of the spectrum where the Rangers don't show up for like 85% of the game, but that 15%, they look really good and they just somehow find a way to win. Meanwhile, the Islanders will show up for 85% of the game and then they let loose and then they get dumpstered the final 15% 15 and lose. Like, it, like this is such a duality of man situation where like at five on play like, and that that was a source of my Zabinajet tweet yesterday and people got mad. People got like on me about it after Zabinajet scored the power play goal. But like at five on five, it is once again a, 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 a no show from number ninety three. And it took Panarin. It took other guys to step up and deliver. And yeah, Zibanejad got the, the power play goal to tie the game up. But it's not like he created the offense that led to the goal. Adam Fox with a gorgeous pass on, just on the tape. Zibanejad, nice shot. It goes in that tie game. But again, like, at five on five, this team is Panarin. This team is Lafreniere. This, the third line was was pretty all right. Matt Rempe destroyed Matt Martin, I mean, listen. If it's your first edit, for, he didn't even get a shift. Like, he was on the ice. The puck didn't even drop yet. Zero T O I for Matt Rempe, and he fights Matt Five Martin, pins. and he destroys him. I mean, Matt Martin. I, I listen. I get it. He's a he's he's not the the Matt Martin that he used to be in in, in on Long Island, I should say. But like. This this man has yet to literally see 1 second of recorded ice time in the NHL and he beats you to a pulp, brother. It is time to go. It is time to go, Mr. Martin. Listen, I that's that's a tough look for him. But like it it a lot of players step up to trocheck with with a great uh with a great cup, you know, a great game last night. It's it's really bothering me that the like the Rangers are are winning games, are playing well. But at the end of the day, can you count on this team to to produce more at five on five like that's and it's it's really tough to to harp on this when they've won seven in a row and they keep winning. But it's it's how they're winning games like the Montreal game was a track meet. The Islanders game was a track meet, even though it shouldn't have been like they're they're. They're playing. They're playing this really gambly style of of hockey. That yeah, it's working for them now because they've won seven in a row. But a a puck bounce one, you know, the wrong way, and you know, or a post or what have you. And we're we're talking about not a seven game winning streak.
1: So I think the way I would unpack that, and Trocheck said it after the game, and I think it was Kreider, but it might have been Truba. Trocek said even at 4-1, they still felt like they were in the game and that they weren't playing that badly. I would disagree about playing badly. They were actively playing badly in a game. To be losing 4-1 to a team not in a playoff spot, by definition, you are playing poorly. What I will say is I think their confidence in their game and their comfort in who they are as a team both works to their advantage and works to their detriment because we've talked a lot about them being able to get off to good starts and putting the game out of reach and finishing things up early. But the counterpoint to that is it's great you feel good about your team and that you never feel like you're out of it. But the Rangers run into the issue of you only have so much time left in the game and not every team you're going to play is going to give you two Scott Mayfield penalties in a five-minute span. That's the thing that's concerning about this. It's not that the Rangers aren't good. It's that they are so confident in their ability to be good, they think they can get themselves out of any predicament they want because of how good they are. And against most teams... You know, they have, I think, 19 come from behind victories this year. Against most teams, the Rangers are going to be able to get by on their talent and fall back on some structure things. And at the end of the day, you would like your star players. And Panarin had a really good game, in my opinion, yesterday. I thought Adam Fox really got into a nice rhythm there as the game went along. And the Rangers did a good job of tilting the ice. But... It is a dangerous game to play, and that's really been what's cu- that's really what's coming to focus for me over the last month or so. It's not that they're not good; it's that they live this danger, they play this dangerous style because against most teams they can make something happen. This won't work against the good teams of the league. God bless Scott Mayfield. God bless the Islanders for laying an egg and giving that game away yesterday. Rangers had no business winning that game.
0: No, and you, think of, you have to think about it this way too. The Islanders literally threw that game away. They took, yeah. they took a loss from the jaws of victory. That is not going to happen in the playoffs. It's not. That's the kind of game where if the Rangers play the exact same way in, in, in any playoff scenario, they lose. Yeah. They lose. Because they're playing a better team that isn't going to take egregious penalties in the pa- in the last five minutes of a hockey game when they're up two goals and essentially let the Rangers waltz back in and, and, and you know, into the game and then and then win. Like in the playoffs, these scenarios are just not going to happen. So if if You're again relying on your power play, which has been which was miserable coming into that game last night. Which and then they scored a bunch of power play goals. They, you know, hopefully that's been fixed or at least is on the process of being fixed moving forward. But you are once again relying on the referees to essentially give you the key to open the door instead of having the door be pried open by yourself, you are waiting around. And expecting somebody to let you in—that's the part that 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 bothers me more than anything. And again, it's like I don't want to be overly negative. The team has won seven in a row. You know, despite all these problems, they're still winning. A lot of players are playing well, etc. Szczerbin did not have a great game last you know last night, but he he played better as the game went on. But this is still a team that relies on certain aspects too much, especially on their power play. They don't put a whole lot of pressure on it. Five on five. There are certain players that do that, but the team doesn't overall. And that's, a, that's going to be a problem coming to playoffs once again, because referees once swallow their whistles and two. That's not true though. That, the, Dom at the athletic did a study about that last year. The the difference
1: between penalty calls in the playoffs and the regular season is negligible. We're talking about like 0. 0.02 per
0: game less. And even, playoffs. even, but even, I then, get your point. even then, even then, We talked about this last year in the playoffs. Even strength play is like 85% of an actual hockey game. You cannot rely on 15% to win you a hundred percent of the game. It is unsustainable, unreliable, and eventually it's going to come back and bite you.
1: The Rangers are at a point now where, they're going to make the playoffs. They are going to be pushing for the number 1 seed in the Metro so they can host one of the wild card teams in the first round. They are going to add at some point to this team in the next few weeks. They are going to add wings, especially, and we'll touch on Blake Wheeler in a little bit, but especially now that Blake Wheeler is out for the year. We're talking about a team that has two NHL caliber right wingers on it right now in Kako and VZ. I was a little disappointed VZ got gypped from playing on the first line for a good stretch of that game and Gadro, for some god-awful reason, got up there. But at the very least, they are a good enough team to get in. That has never been in doubt, and if they didn't get in, that was going to be the the impetus for large, whole-scale change, something that the Rangers probably wouldn't have the conviction to do, but that's not really the point. And it feels stupid to harp on you know, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work in a game where they beat a division rival and pulled one out of their ass. And yeah, some of this is losing the forest for the trees, but the counterpoint to that and why I would say this isn't necessarily negative, it's that we are looking at the ramp up here. We got three weeks till the trade deadline. We're talking about the Rangers have 20-ish games to go rest of the way here. They are going to need to integrate at least one, if not two, forwards into their top nine over the course of the next 25 to 27 games. I would argue they might need to bring in a defenseman as well, and we can have that conversation later on, but... As we start ramping up, getting into that playoff mentality, well, we're going to play the Islanders two more times. We play the Devils two more times. We got to play Pittsburgh three times. And I know Pittsburgh's not good, but whenever the Rangers and Penguins get together, the Penguins will get up for that game. The Rangers are at a point now where it is about setting themselves up for success down the road. That means to go deep into the playoffs That means having good habits established by the time we get to game one, round one, and through long stretches of that first period, it was the same old issues. It was forcing passes to the middle where nobody was there, inviting the Islanders, who are not a great defensive team, to get easy defensive plays. The Rangers are lucky Panarin was able to make some stuff happen yesterday because he was the only one for a good, I would say the first 30 minutes of that game, who was actively trying to make something happen. Abinajad and Kreider were rendered pretty ineffective for early stretches of the game. And God bless the Islanders penalty kill being as bad as it is. Or this is a very different podcast today. I mean, I forgot who said it, but... It was game 55 for the Rangers yesterday, but it's always game seven for the Islanders when they get up for the Rangers. I know that's supposed to be like a, the I Islanders. Think that was carb. It, it might've been I the entire point. The reason I don't like doing that little brother. And like, we own you bullshit is the Islanders beat the Rangers consistently. Since yeah, 2014, th- since 2014, the Islanders are 25-11 and 4 against the Rangers. And since the Rangers signed Panarin, the Islanders are 17-11 and like 4 against the Rangers. So, it's not like it's not like we're better than them. I I understand the Rangers have had more success more recently. The Islanders, you know, they won the t- they went to two conference finals like 4 years ago now, mm-hmm. but we got to get up for these games, man. It was four to one at the end of the set. It was four to one early on in that game. And I was looking around like, did they know we were playing a hockey game today? Did they go deaf on the fire truck on the way into the game? And they don't know how to play hockey anymore. It's it's mind boggling because you know they're capable of being better than this. But then they look like they've never seen each other before. Like that was the first time any of these guys had ever played hockey with each other. And Shesterkin had a rough game rough. again. Not entirely his fault. But I, I understand a lot of people will be like, well... All the goals were scored in the one end of the ice because the sun was down there. And yeah, I get it. But when you need him to get going, and I do think Shesterkin is still the most important player on this team as far as reaching its full potential. Yeah. If they can't get him going, the playoffs are going to be the most miserable experience of all of our lives. This team is not built to score six, seven goals a game. We're not that good at offense. We're not.
0: No, and... You mentioned the guys like looking like they never met each other before. Can we like at a at a certain point, Truba and Miller, th- some, something has to give. Something has to has to give. This is so excruciatingly painful at this point. Watching them game in and game out, have not a single clue of what's of what's going on on like with their defensive partners. It is insanity. It is so infuriating. Every single game. Whether Miller is pinching and Truba is no, in no man's land, or Truba and Miller just aren't communicating, Truba is out somewhere and Miller's not talking to Truba or what have you. Wh- whatever's going on, it just seems like every game there is some kind of miscommunication. They don't know where each other are. They don't know how to play with each other, and yet they they keep forcing that pairing. And some, something has to change. I like something has to give. Either you know Truba and Miller concede nine goals one game. Like just all all the Rangers give up nine goals and all nine goals are because of those two. Then maybe there'll be changes. But like I, I don't know what what else La Violette and the coaching staff has to see in order to force the change. I understand Trubin Miller want to play together. I get all that. But at the end of the day, it's not working. It hasn't worked for years, and yet they continue to force the issue with it. And it just it really gets like it grinds my gears how they just don't know how to play with each other at all on the ice they are they are inconsistent at best they can't like there's so many plays that go by them a lot of the time because they're not communicating together It, it it's it's a mess and again like you know it like i'm i'm being loud in a moment in time when the rangers have won seven in a row and it's it's it, it it looks a little silly, but th- the fact of the matter is is that yeah they keep they they've won seven in a row, but it's not the problems have went away. The same problems we've been talking about for two years now on this show are the same problems that they had yesterday. They just happened to win.
1: And that ties into something we talked about the first week of January. I believe was the episode where we talked about the idea that because the Rangers weren't doing a ton at five on five that they were really going to be defined. And a lot of their wins and losses would ultimately come from whether they get the bounces any given night. You know, we talk a lot of people have made a lot of talk about Vancouver and riding the PDO roller coaster all season. And they've been so good. They've been able to buck a lot of those. As trends, they lose, what,
0: though, 10-7 it was? Today yeah, I was going like to say that.
1: they conceded 10 goals to Minnesota. Two wild guys had hat tricks. But the Rangers are in the same kind of boat. Where if Shesterkin's not on his game, they're going to have a really hard time winning most nights. If they don't get at least one power play goal, they're going to have a hard time winning most nights. And I know people will say, those are parts of the team. Why are you discounting those parts of the team? It's that they're more inconsistent. They are smaller segments of the game. The Rangers are not dictating large stretches of these games. Now, when they've played at their best, and we should give credit where it's due, that last five minutes is probably the best hockey they've played all season. Down two goals... They pushed it all on the Islanders and forced the Islanders to play defense. They moved their feet. They cycled the puck extremely well. They did a nice job of incorporating Lafreniere in the open net situation. I'm very happy that Lafreniere continues to be one of the first choices to be the extra attacker late in games. It is clear he is playing with more confidence than he's basically ever had at any point. And the coaching staff is both getting rewarded and rewarding him for that. So, Now we're at a point where it is about ironing out the Kings and figuring out who's getting added to this group. The Rangers are probably gonna need to call up a defenseman as well. I know Ryan Lingren took a stick to the eye and that looked really gnarly. There's no indication whether or not he's going to be able to play tomorrow against Dallas. I doubt, I doubt he's it. going to be I doubt he's gonna be able to play tomorrow. So we'll probably see Zach Jones draw back in. I know Hartford has injury issues of their own, so I don't know if they're in a position where they can send someone up, if I remember correctly, both Uh, Hartford and the Rangers only have six healthy defensemen at the moment. So this might be a situation where somebody has to get called up from the ECHL to Hartford and someone from Hartford gets bumped up here just to be the extra defenseman in case something happens during warmups. But the Rangers are in a position now where it is about getting ready for the postseason. And the next part of this conversation is what are they going to add at the deadline? Because that's the most important topic right now.
0: Well, they, the, the, I guess the ideal right now would be Jordan Everly out of Seattle. That that's kind of the biggest name that makes the that's most. That's my sense. first choice. Like you take a look at their biggest needs. They need a thir- They need a three C. Sure, but they need a one right winger more. In terms yeah. of in terms of the, the the things that the Rangers need the most, at the top of the list is a right winger to play on the first line that, that could drive five on five offense. And Jordan Eberly is a player of that caliber that is one available or should be available and two is capable of doing that. And that right now should, he should be the Rangers' biggest target right now. Maybe there's some secret surprise names that we haven't thought about or what have you. It's, it's still a few weeks away from the deadline, so we'll see about that. But he's his underlying metrics are good on a really bad, C- inconsistent Seattle team. To have, you know, numbers that are as positive as Jordan Eberle is, is something that I value a lot and, and some, something that hopefully. Hopefully the Rangers will take a look at. It. I don't know if they will because you know analytics are scary to 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 hockey men. But we'll see we'll see how that goes. But overall, that's that's the biggest need. Obviously they need more. You know, a third line center. They need another twelfth forward. They need another defenseman. Like there there's 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 holes along the way. But that. Top line right winger spot, especially I listen, Blake Wheeler was never gonna be the the permanent first line right winger, and they he they were they were using him as essentially a placeholder up there. But now that he's potentially out for the whole season, that was a gruesome injury, a scary injury. Hopefully he's okay. Forget about hockey for a second. Like that that kind of injury is really scary, and that's something that could linger for a long time. So hopefully he's okay or he will be okay. But that, that's really the biggest hole right now. If they can find somebody, if the Rangers can find somebody like Eberle or an adjacent that can really help drive the 5-on-5 offense, now we're talking about a different line. Because, you know, we could, we could talk about that. We, we say this every single week, but that first line doesn't do anything at 5-on-5. If they can bring somebody in to at least make the numbers a little bit better... If they can, if they can bring in this mystery player that can actually do some things at five on five to help out Zabinajad and Kreider, and really and really push the agenda that way, now we're cooking. Until that happens, the team is what it is.
1: And circling back around, I brought up Laviolette before, but I'll bring it up again. Another thing I've liked that he's done over the last few weeks, and this speaks to the fact that they're kind of not they don't have options at right wing really is when they have been up against it late in games and they've needed a goal they've bumped Panarin to play up there with Zabinajad and Kreider and we know that's not a feasible long-term strategy but in a pinch I feel better about Lavillette's willingness to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks as opposed to and, and that's not to say Gallant didn't do that. If anything, he did that too much, where he was experimenting and changing lines and pairs way too often just to try and get anything going. But I, I think in terms of the usage and the way they're thinking about their lineup, they seem pretty good about wanting to use Zbigniewicz-Krider against other teams' best guys, especially in games that are a little bit tighter. I don't think the Rangers can do... I. I I know there was a little bit of conjecture over the weekend about like Edstrom or Rempe going to stick. I don't think Rempe sticks. Edstrom might stick, but we I forget who brought it up. But I, I know it for a fact it's only Vegas had one, Colorado had one, and I want to say Tampa Bay the second time only had one as well. Teams that win the Stanley Cup don't have rookies in the lineup because coaches are stubborn and stupid. And maybe the Rangers can be the team that wins the Stanley Cup with two or three rookies in the lineup. But I don't think it's feasible to say we're going to go into the playoffs with our fourth line being Goudreau. Uh, Edstrom and VZ. I don't. I, I think they really need to emphasize getting a real fourth line center. Or excuse me. I should say a third line center, bumping Brodzinski down to fourth C. And then, you know, we we get into a place where the Rangers have a deep lineup. And I think a lot of our, hes- our um, reservations about this group stem from the path they're going to have to take in the playoffs. It's not that I don't think there's anybody in the east that's like insanely better than them but i florida's guys are better florida's best players are better the bruins look like they're kind of in a lull but i don't take the bruins lightly the leafs are kind of a mess the devils may or may not be getting things back together but when we start gaming this out start laying out what the roadmap of the next few weeks to months looks like we got a long way to go, and there are still quite a few things the Rangers need to iron out.
0: That and okay, even even throw out the Eastern Conference for for a second. Like let's say for for the purpose of this exercise, the Rangers make the final. They're gonna play a team. Oh, like... Oh, Andrew, we can't even. Do, we can't no, even no, go no, to like, the final. That's they, so
1: far. Just, away, just
0: man. like just. Well, but just hear me out for a second. Like let's just for this for this exercise. Like let's say they make the final. That, now they're playing now they're playing a team like Vancouver. they're playing a team like Vegas who Vegas destroyed the Rangers both times they play this season. They're playing a team like Dallas or Colorado or even Winnipeg. These are teams that control five on five action these are these are teams that can punish you for not punishing them and they do it consistently and they do it often. So okay let you know like let's say the Rangers get all the way there and they play one of these teams, okay, well, if you haven't been able to control 5-on-5 play against teams that aren't as good at 5-on-5 themselves, how on earth are you going to do that against teams that make that their bread and butter? That That's another question that you have to ask yourself again because 5-on-5 play is the vast majority of the hockey game. We, we we talk about it every single week we're on the show. Power plays are, are given out. They are un- they are unpredictable. You don't know when you're gonna get them and how often you're gonna get them. They are out of your control. And and you still have to you still have to score on them. Even if you get them. It's not like it's not like it's a guaranteed goal. You still have to do things in order to put the puck in the net to make that to make that happen. So the Rangers have to find some somehow some way to get this five on five play going. Because yeah, I mean the the last five minutes against the Islanders look good. Islanders threw that game, really, but Against a better team, that game just ends up in a loss. I will say there is an
1: element where you're going to have to accept there are some things about the group that they're not going to be able to fix. I don't think they are going to magically be able to get these guys who have played this particular way their entire lives to adapt. I will say I think there is a world where they get the right winger in there that opens up some more opportunities. But I still think the biggest barrier for this Rangers team right now is that zabinajad is not shooting enough. I think the fact he sh- he has fewer scoring, a ch- scoring chances per game than some of the defensemen on the team because he himself is just not shooting the puck.
0: And when his- he is, his shot selection from just aren't from great isn't from great areas either he's not it's not like he's getting prime time scoring chances out in front like right in front of the goaltender and not doing anything with it like the, sh- the shots that he's getting a lot of times if they're not one timer, or crisp passes at, on the power play the shots aren't that great either
1: No, he's not getting to particularly dangerous areas because he's not really pushing the net front. It's more he's settling for whatever the defense is going to give him. And yeah, sometimes you're going to have to take a crappy shot. You know, there's just only so much you can get. But what I will say is this is a mentality thing. This is something that we can convince him, the coaching staff can convince him, hey, If you want to open up more things offensively, you're going to have to shoot more. It's just look how much different Panarin is playing this year. He is shooting the puck more than any other season in his career as a professional hockey player. He's already in the low 30s for goals, and we're only in February. Yeah. He's going to have an outside chance of pushing 50 for the season if he keeps playing at the pace he is at. Yeah. They get Zabinijad shooting a little bit more, and I know he's like 18, 19 goals on the season, which none to sneeze at. He's going to be close to a point-per-game player. If he gets hot at the right time, he can easily clear a point-per-game. It is about mentality. Zabinijad needs to shoot more because it will open up more things for the offense and it will make whoever they bring in to be the right winger with them and Kreider's life a lot easier. Kreider, when he wants to be engaged, is really an imposing force. He can get the puck to dangerous areas. He can drive the goalie. He had a solid game on Sunday. I didn't think he was great, but he was involved enough. He made some stuff happen, the redirection. That stuff's awesome. But for this team to get where they need to go, we need an adjustment in mindset. It's really that simple. It's not we're going to change who they are as players, but zabinijad
0: has got to rip it. Yeah, and again, we we mentioned this. I mentioned this about Truba, you know, before. The the number one thing I want on this planet is for us to stop talking about Zabinejad. Like I want Zabinejad to all you know to wake up. Tomorrow morning, and say I'm going to be a dominant five on five player, and then he's going to be a you know he's going to be a superstar at at all fronts of the of the game. I would love that. Like it, it's not it's not fun to sit here after the team wins their seventh game in a row to be like, oh well, Zabidenjad, you know, again f- at five on five isn't doing anything. Like eventually, like when is this going to change? You know, it's not fun to talk about these things. I would much rather be like Zabidenjad is having an awesome season. Like he's point a game player five on five. He's driving offense. He's playing defensively. Really well, a great two way player. I would love to say that instead. But as of right now, Zibinijad is doing great things on the power play. And he's, you know, he's nothing to sneeze at defensively. But at five on five offensively, he is doing and creating nada. Nothing. He
1: has. So I, I pulled it up while you were talking. He's generating 10.6 individual scoring chances. Those are just him, not his line mates, not who he's on the ice with. That is 17th of everybody on the Rangers. That is fewer individual scoring chances than Eric Gustafson, Tyler Pitlick, Capo Caco, Blake Wheeler, Jimmy Beesey, Jacob Truba, Will Cooley, Vincent Trocek, Filippito Kreider, Lafreniere, Brodzinski, Panarin. And we're talking about somebody who is supposed to be one of, if not the best forwards on this team And if he's not going to shoot, that is going to make the line less dangerous because teams will not respect when he gets the puck because they know he's going to be looking to pass, and that's really been the issue with him. So I want to change gears here and transition topics a little bit. As far as where the NHL is at with these outdoor games, I think one of the big issues is they – the games themselves are more about the in-person experience as opposed to the television viewing experience. And I think that's why there's a lot of real fatigue from non-involved teams. Cause frankly, you know, there's 32 teams in the league, but the same 15 keep getting put in the outdoor games. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a real solution to the outdoor game fatigue. But I'll tell you, as somebody who was there, that was a great environment to be in. Um, it seems like half of New York state was in the MetLife stadium parking lot from about 10 AM on. It was a sea of humanity. It was a preposterous amount of people and it was infinitely infinitely more engaging of an environment than anything I've had at Madison square garden. That wasn't a playoff game. MSG during the playoffs, very different, a little more charged up. The games mean more, but regular season wise, that's about as most intense an environment I've been in. And that was in part because the game was very chaotic and there was a lot going on, but that crowd was lively on Sunday afternoon.
0: No, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I just wish Batman would stop giving games to Chicago. Like, Chicago doesn't need another outdoor game, Gary. Give other teams outdoor games, Gary, please, Gary. We're, we're, be- we're on our knees at this Mark. Gary. Like, and, and I know Columbus and Detroit got a, got an outdoor game and that's going to be, if that's going to be cool, that's going to be fun. Give, like give Vegas an outdoor game, give Seattle an, like an outdoor game, like give, give other, you know, teams outdoor games. Cause e- the, the whole, the to whole- be fair,
1: Andrew, those two teams did play outside
0: this year. Give it. Do it again. I. I would. I would rather give them more outdoor games than, than see Chicago out there for the nine hundredth time. Like give give the Panthers an outdoor game. Like give the Blues or just and anybody other than Chicago. Like even the Rangers have had have had five. Like yeah, they're five and zero oh in these outdoor games. And that's great for that's great for our needs personally. We should play the like, playoffs
1: outside. We yeah, play sure. All seven games. Why every not? Series outside. But,
0: but the Stanley Cup final. Every game of the Stanley Cup final is outside. Can you imagine that? Hey,
1: at this point, you know, one cup since America entered World War II, I'm ready to get weird. I'll try some. Shit <laughs> Listen, to they're win undefeated cup.
0: outside. You might as well try it. At the very least,
1: it is about the experience of going. Um... I do have one question for you as someone who watched on TV. Did they explain to you guys what the hell the people on the field with like the dog and the baby baby stroller and the people hula hooping were supposed to be? Uh,
0: So, I I mean, I was watching the game. I was also working because it was All-Star Weekend in the NBA. So that was uh, very hectic from all fronts. So I was watching. I didn't catch every single word of the broadcast. So I don't know. Uh, My best guess is paid actors. But that's... I was having that, that conversation no with
1: somebody because it was like, I don't want to say it was genuinely distracting because there was a hockey game going on, sure. but out of the corner of my eye, seeing somebody hula hooping for four straight hours was a little distracting. I'm not going to lie. The corgi that was walking around on the grass, taking shits every few minutes was very amusing. Yeah. I, I don't understand why we're having actors do stuff during play. Why are we distracting people at the game or on TV from what's going
0: on during the game? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's oh, also, 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 AJR. Can we the NHL okay. blew their budget yeah, for the Saturday game, man? Figure it out. Can Andrew, we figure it out? I love the Saturday. gaslight anthem, and I'm that like that, it's a really cool thing that the NHL brought them out to to play like to, to perform the goal song of the Dell was like as they were scoring. That's really cool. Hey, can we get somebody that's not AJR to come perform at these games?
1: Well, Andrew, you got to remember, the NHL blew a good chunk of their budget on the Gaslight Anthem and the Jonas Brothers on Saturday. There's a reason the second intermission was a tribute to New York hockey, which was just old people walking across the stage. They did not have the resources to do what you are suggesting. The NHL is a skinflint organization that does not like to spend money.
0: um, I don't disagree with you. I'm not asking for Jay-Z. I'm not. I'm not asking for these people. I I just want a a musical act that's not AJR.
1: Do you think the Rangers would take dinner with Jay Z or a hundred grand? Uh,
0: I think Dolan would take dinner with Jay Z only because of the 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 businessman that he is. I don't think James Dolan knows a single one of Jay Z's songs, but I do know Dolan is very. I'm, I'm sure Dolan is very aware of Jay Z's portfolio.
1: Okay, better question. Which player on the Rangers is taking the dinner with Jay Z over hundred grand? I think Lafreniere for sure. I think most I think players he's gonna... will. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: yeah. I think I think most 100 players. will. hundred grand would. cash. Yeah, I think I think I don't. I think I think most players will. Because like, because again, I because of Jay Z's like business savvy. My man's is a billionaire, right? So like, I don't now like. If you give me the question, I'm taking the money because I need the money. But like the like these guys, I, I feel like they would say Jay-Z. Fair what would you enough. do? I feel like, like I do I'm I taking a like, hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. fucking
1: poor. Yeah. Uh, this isn't yeah, a conversation. Yeah. A yeah. yeah.
0: hundred grand is a lot of
1: money. Yeah. Jay Z, he's gonna say, You're a dumbass, why didn't you take the money when I sit down at the yeah. table to talk to him? Exactly. That that's the counterpoint there. Um what was the other thing? Oh yeah. Uh sucks about Blake Wheeler. Um they definitely need to bring in a right winger. Yeah. The deadline, we are now at the point where everybody with an internet connection and that can load up cap friendly is going to start saying, well, this would make sense as a good fit, as if they are reporting news, as we yeah. know, quite a few people like to do sure. because frankly, nobody knows what's going on. No, that is the,
0: my The graphic designers know more than the blue check marks and it is... It's still the most baffling thing about this whole experience where Shams and Woj on the NBA side will know things weeks in advance and will have everything ready to go in their drafts. But the, 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 the paid actors that are insiders in the NHL get beaten out by graphic designers. It is insane behavior.
1: I don't disagree with you. Um, I will say nobody knows anything. So if you see trade speculation, that's great. Those are people doing content because they have ad space they need to sell. The people who are doing the blogs about this would make sense or I'm hearing this. Hell, there's a reason Elliot, whenever he goes on 32 Thoughts, says, I've been thinking out about mm-hmm. as opposed to phrasing it as I'm hearing. Yeah, there is a reason they use the language they do because they are trying to be as obtuse and opaque as possible in all of reporting so that if they're wrong, they can't be held accountable. Or if they're right, they're not burning the source who told them what they did. But in the context of the Noah Hannafin stuff from over the weekend, that is your example. That news is only out there because either Hannafin's agent wants to get this moving or the team that wants to acquire him wants to get this moving. That is not out there because the Flames want it out there. So whenever you see news about this player is available or this might work, you have to keep in mind that news is out there for a very specific reason. It is not out there because this person felt that it was their responsibility to tell this journalist so they would get reported. It is purely out there for leverage.
0: Uh, it is it is that point of the season where the insiders will post a picture and then have googly eyes and then send a uh, send tweet. It's it's that yeah. time of, it's that time of year, baby. We got and also you know what goes without saying, but make sure we're all following the right people and we're not following fake accounts that we're not uh got, we're, we're not getting got by fake accounts with four followers who have t- have tweeted a fake trade but you fell for it because the added the at ad looks vaguely familiar to the actual person let's let's make sure we're on top of that everybody because hey anybody can get got let just make sure that you know we're, we're retweeting the correct people once they get beaten by graphic designers of course
1: yeah, I, I I, very much. I have a compilation of those from, I forget what trade was last week. There was some move last week that I saw the official team account tweet and then all the insiders tweeting their own version of it yes. 30 seconds to a minute after because they're not in the loop. They don't know what's going on. Um, Last thing before we get out of here for this week's show, we are now at a point where they're going to play the Devils this week. They are going to play Dallas this week. Then they got Columbus, and then they got Florida, and then they got the Blues, and then they got the Devils again. So we're going to learn a lot about both the Devils and the Rangers in the next few weeks, and we're going to see if the Devils are going to push some chips in and maybe make something happen as far as a goalie or another defenseman. I think we're at a point now where i feel comfortable saying i'm ready to write the islanders off completely i think they just don't have it this year i think pittsburgh we're pretty much at that point as well i don't know what i should be worried about but it feels like things are working out too well for the rangers right now as far as everybody around them other than carolina carolina looks like their usual selves
0: in terms of the division yeah carolina is going to be a good team Philadelphia is a strange team. I, I think I think they're ultimately probably going to sell a little bit. Like Lawton's is probably gone. Even though, like, I saw like rumors like, should the Rangers be interested in Scott? No, no, no. He's not good at hockey. No. Please, no. any, any, literally anybody but him. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, the Devils are another strange team where the, Joe Micheletti, like, during the Flames game, was like, yeah, the Devils were going to trade for him, and then he said no. Like, just very casually, he, he he blurted that out in the middle of the broadcast, which was very interesting because, once again, he beats out the actual insiders to this information, and then the insiders will take that information, and then they will put that out there themselves. Like, that's an interesting... Pro- proposition because the the Devils with an actual goaltender look like a scary team. As of right now, they are not a scary team because they do not have an actual goaltender. So it, it remains to be seen what happens with them? If they somehow find a way to get a, a goaltender at the, before the deadline that will actually make them a playoff team, then they can do a lot of damage. Like that roster is really good, but right now they've been playing inconsistent, but also their goaltenders aren't able to stop beach balls. So that like, it's, it's interesting to see. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah. The Islanders aren't just, just aren't a very good team. Uh Right now the penguins have fallen below the caps in the standings? Yeah. Like that? Like, and, and it's it's funny, too, because Tristan Jari has been phenomenal for them. Like, of, of all the things that you think would go wrong for Pittsburgh, their goaltending has been the least of their concerns. Jari has been great. Crosby has been great. Gensel is out long-term. He's, he's, he's on IR. Like Even Malkin's been pretty alright. But everybody else has kind of been not great. And they're banged up and I, I i don't i don't know what dubis does there yeah the caps don't scare me obviously the you know the bruins uh, the bruins aren't playing well at all they just wanted to shoot out against the stars earlier today but they're still a good team florida is a good team i don't are you scared of toronto what a strange team uh, i think the
1: problem with toronto is that they are very similar to the rangers and that they rely on a handful of players to determine their games their goaltending situation is the main reason I would feel okay. I wouldn't feel great, obviously, about playing a team that has, you know, three of the 15, 25 best players in the world. Matthews Any is on yet.
0: like a 73-goal pace or something yeah. ridiculous.
1: You yeah. Like uh, he, video game numbers. He's different. Yeah, yeah no, he's incredible. I, I know I saw the other day he has 80 written on the inside of his glove as like a joking. That's my goal for the rest of the season, to hit 80 goals. Um, Let's get out of here on this. Good to see the Penguins finally retire Yager's number. Yeah. I know they were waiting for him to retire from hockey, and being that he doesn't seem to want to do that, that's why they finally did it now. I think that's got to be the permanent move now, though. If you're getting your number retired, you got to take warm-up with the team for that game because that was genuinely a hilarious visual, yeah. seeing you know 54-year-old Yarmir Yager on the same ice as like, 22-year-old Pierre Oliver Joseph. Like Genuinely a funny visual, and I think it's a really interesting thing that i don't think i've ever seen anyone do before
0: yeah i i, I can't think of a different of another example of that and not only that they leaned into it they all wore mullets they all wore yeah. the yogurt jersey like that's cool i want to see more of that like that yeah. that's a funny thing it's a cool thing it's great for social everybody's having fun like at the end of the day that like this is what this is. Yeah, hockey's you know, it's a it's a career and there's a lot of money involved in it, uh, you know all that, but it should be also fun. Like yes. It, it, at the end of the day, especially, you know, player or spectator what have you, the game should be fun. So the fact that they did this, they leaned into it, like they had a lot of fun with it. They you know, they made jokes like it, that the whole the whole thing was was great. And I really hope that other teams lean into it. The one team that we know won't lean into it, though, is the Islanders because they never lean into anything fun. Because lose the GM over there, like they showing up to the went to the to the outdoor game yesterday in suits and ties, acting like it's just another game and there's no fun involved. Give me a break, will you? Give me a break.
1: Uh, missed opportunity. You know what they could have done if Lou really didn't want to do anything special back in the day when the teams used to issue suits that like had the logo on the chest, that would have been the the middle ground between the two. So do what CBS does? Yeah, basically the suits
0: with the logo on it.
1: Yeah. That's what they used to do back in the day for, for road games was the team all got the suit with the same, the logo on it. It's a middle ground. Uh, The Rangers had themselves some fun this weekend. They leaned into it a a decent amount, you know, not very creative as far as theme, but it worked. It it was effective. Um, We're getting into the mix now. This is really where we're going to find out who this group is over the next couple weeks, and the deadline is going to be massively illuminating as far as understanding what the general manager thinks about this team, and I'm very excited to see what he thinks of this team.
0: The Rheark Rangers are, are genuinely such a silly team. They are the epitome. Yeah. They are the epitome of the it's so over, we're so back meme. Like this is this is literally what the Rangers are. They're, they they yeah. like, they're it's so over when it's four to one and they look like they have never played hockey before, and then they bring it back and they went over time, and we're so back, baby. It's like what what is happening? What is what is happening ever on, with this team?
1: Um, nothing good for my health. I can tell you that. Uh, much. Yeah, nothing, well, that's nothing given. good for me. I, I made the joke and I tweeted it as I was leaving the game yesterday. The Rangers are a college student with executive function issues that can only do work on deadline. And I think that's the most apt response possible because they really feel like they're never out of these games. And like some of that is like just pure night, ni- and being stupid. But they really kind of aren't ever out of any of these games, even though they look like hot ass for good stretches of these games. It's really hard to get a feel for this team, and it's going to make the next few weeks and months very interesting as somebody on the outside looking in. What a silly
0: team this is, truly. But we're fans of it. I mean, so we're fans of them. So here we are.
1: Look at the people on this team. We got real. We got genuine goofballs on yeah, this we team. Do.
0: Lafra, I think Lafreniere is, is leading the league in, in goofy, is in silliness out of 60, I feel like. Oh, 100%. 100%. He is
1: in, he's in the top tier of guys. That's something I will think about. Um, That'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue podcast. I am very hungry. I am going to get dinner. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you are over on YouTube, drop us a subscribe, like the video, We will be back next week, and we'll have a lot of hockey to discuss because they have three games this week.
0: Later.